The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton in for Susan Littlefield, who's currently attending Washington Watch in Washington, D.C. Today she's talking with congressional members along with ag group leaders. So excited to hear what's coming from there. Let's talk the trade now with Doug Simon of Trados. And Doug, what a great day to be on Final Bell because you get to talk the grain rally. Whoa, dogs, it was good in the grains. It was nice to have a rally. The- July corn was up 12 and a quarter today at 368 and from wherever it was when we came in on uh, Monday morning and, uh, you know, late, uh, Sunday night was, uh, yeah, it was pretty, uh, depressing after the more of the trade news really pressured things. And, you know, some of the weather reports over the weekend, they're showing a little bit of a drier phase in the Eastern corn belt. And I think some of the traders were kind of looking into that and think we're going to get more stuff planned. But when the numbers in the, in the, uh, planning intentions report came out yesterday, you know, we were only at what, 30, I think the trade was maybe thinking closer to 40, and you know, so we've had a nice, uh, nice rally here on Monday night and, and Tuesday. And exactly talking about that crop progress coming out yesterday, really disappointing. Do you see this kind of paralleling 2013-1993 in terms of planting progress and the wet conditions? I don't know about 93 yet. I mean, it's still, you know, 93 was more into the summer and June and pretty much stayed, you know, cool and wet all the way through. I mean, there's definitely kind of cooler outlooks in, in the way they're looking right now uh, going into into summer and, and moist uh, you know I think there's you know some some people saying a little warmer into the summer as we go along but 2000 you know 10 and 2013 2009 I think you know those are parallels and those are ones that I think the trade is basically kind of looking at and those years we ended up having pretty good uh, you know pretty good uh, you know crops record crops in 2009 you know 2000 you know, ten was a was a you know dropped off from the 2009 crop. We were like a 160 yield in 2009. 2010 was like a 154, and then 2013 was good. Um, but you know, the the trade was basically saying, hey, we had wet springs those years. We got crop planted. We ended up having good yields. So I think that's where there's been a lot of negativity in the market when they look at those years. And everybody's talking about you know looking at 30 years of history. You know, we plant a lot quicker than we used to. And we tried to plant earlier than we used to. So some of those earlier analogs, I don't know if they're real useful, but uh, I think. When you look at the weather and how wet, you know, we were, like, say last year we were pretty dry and we get rain on top of that and, you know, we've made, you know, decent progress. This year we're just saturated and we're getting rain on top of it really puts a, puts a stop to things. So the eastern corn belt is, is, you know, extremely slow right now. In terms of acres, where do we need to be acreage wise in this June WASDI and the next round of acreage reports that we get out to where it actually starts to make a difference to traders' minds in Chicago? Well, I think. I think that report yesterday, you know, kind of hit everybody upside the head. In the old days, you know, the pit would have, you know, people would probably be talking about things and you have a little more emotion built into there and things would kind of build on itself. But now we're, there's so much electronic trading, I don't know if we necessarily incorporate that stuff. And the funds have been pounding this thing here because of the negativity of, you know, when you look at the world numbers on corn, they've been growing because the Brazil crop's good and Argentine, you know, crop is good. They're exporting you know, and being very competitive that way and also on the, you know, on the soybean side of it. And so there's fundamentally, you know, the world numbers have been growing on that side. So you're getting kind of that, that negative backdrop and, and the funds kind of keep, you know, following that trend and piling in on it. And, you know, I think when you're here in, you know, Nebraska, we've had pretty good progress on corn for the most part. I mean, there's some areas that are lagging, but we've got a lot of people that have finished up corn or have maybe a little bit of, you know, corn left. We've had pretty good progress on, you know, in some places on beans. 
got some people that are finished with beans, but when you look back at that eastern corn belt, you know, they're definitely, you know, really slow back there, and it's going to be probably even more difficult for them to make any progress just because there's a little bit of rain. If you get some rain back there, it's going to slow them down. But, um, you know, there's just a lot of negativity in there. But I think today, you know, with the movement there, now the question is, if they were short 330,000 contracts of corn, how much did they cover today? So I think as you kind of do the postmortem here later in the day, I think people are going to be looking and seeing what those changes in open interest are and kind of seeing how much. Because remember when we had that rally back in, what was it on? I'm looking at the D's corn contract net right now. You know, we kind of fell back to 385 after being up in the 405 levels, and then we rallied back to 402. I mean, there was quite a bit of short covering in that time frame, which was only, you know, a 17-cent move, and we covered quite a few contracts within there. I don't want to be, you know you know, rain on everybody's parade, you know, because we had a, so to speak, you know, because of this nice rally we've had today. But I think we want to be aware of, you know, how much covering that has gone on here and, you know, what where is this thing going to run out of steam? And that exactly. We were at a net record net short position. So with these analog traders and these digital traders in Chicago, that can quickly swing to the other side. But it, can it also then, can they kind of take a breath and put those short positions right back on? Well, they can, you know, they kind of sense that things are going to get planted, and then yeah, they could they could press back the other way because when you I think when you look at the Wazi report on Friday, what they're looking at is that you know ninety, you know two, you know three million acres of corn being planted and a you know one seventy six yield, and they the Wazi report showing a two point five billion bushel carryover, and that's what you know those are the numbers they gave us. That's what everybody's going to trade. I mean, that's why I think people are looking at. The last time we thought we had a 2.5 or 2.4 billion bushel carryover was in 2016, and prices went down that year into the, you know, 330s and the, you know, into harvest. And so I think that's what those funds are targeting longer term. Whether or not that's going to happen, I don't know, but that's what they're, that's kind of what they got in their head. So now you think of the what, you know, the delays here that are going on. You know, Scott Irwin over at the University of Illinois was saying last week that, you know, there, there should have been some precedence for maybe to cut that yield by three to five bushels. And then what happens with prevent plant, you know, then you, maybe you lose a million or two. I just think people are really going to try to get acres planted. It's just that it's not going to be ideal. You know, I think that we're going to have a 176 yield. We're going to plant all those acres. I think, I think that's maybe too aggressive at this point. Um, we could get lucky and pull this thing out and get the stuff planted like we did in 2010 and 9 and 13 and, and have a decent crop but it seems to me that uh, you know each day that goes by it's the probability that occurring is less likely. Again we're talking with Doug Simon of Trade-Offs today talking what it is an impressive trade nearly 30 cents higher in soybeans definitely kind of reassuring to see this type of trade move up. Coming up in our next segment of the Fontenelle Final Bell we're going to be discussing livestock as well as marketing options how to take advantage of an upswing market like we're currently seeing. This This is the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Again, Clay Patton in for Susan Littlefield. Talking to trade with us today is Doug Simon of Trados. In our last segment, really discussing the big upward movements we saw in grain today. But now that you've got this, you've got green on the screen, you're looking at it, it's an exciting day. Doug, how do producers take advantage of this? What should they be thinking about in their marketing strategies to put that green on the screen back into the bank account? One of the things that we always look at from a marketing standpoint is to be looking at incremental sales in a favorable time frame of the year. And so, like, right now we're in that February through June time frame, and so we always look at, you know, selling in that time that time period, and that's our benchmark. So we're about 
65% of the way through there. And so that's where we want to focus on, you know, making those sales in relationship to your crop insurance. And when you look at the crop insurance prices, February was, you know, right near $4. The average price of these corn now trading kind of February to to today is in that 393 level. So those are your kind of benchmarks that you want to sell against. Now, if you had started selling earlier, I think I was looking here, they're high back in, in earlier in the in the in the winter and in, in, in uh, January is around 406. And if you've made sales in here, hopefully your average is somewhere in that 393, you know, level, kind of close to that to that uh, seasonal average. And that's what we kind of shoot at. And so we want to keep making incremental sales. The big thing for us is when you look at the market today versus you know in the past is that that dece of 19 corn and the spread to March and to May and to July with the variable storage rates, and they've added a lot more carry into the market early in the year. And so you've got almost 14 cents a carry out to the March. So if you're even selling somewhere in that, you know, kind of 394 and can add at least 14 cents a carry today, but maybe you can be eventually out toward 18 to 20 cent carry. Those are still good numbers versus a March. And again, we'll look at trading, you know, basis and into that next year after we actually raise their crop when the market really needs to buy that corn in and when the basis levels improve. And so from a marketing standpoint, I mean, we're selling corn today because we've had a rally, you know, I've had a pretty substantial rally in the range of price moves that we've had and we want to take advantage of that. One of the other things is when you look at corn out here in Nebraska, we've got positive basis ADM Columbus's. You know, six over. We've got other locations that are positive basis levels. And you look at July today at 368 with a two over or six over basis. I mean, that's call it 374 cash corn. I mean, when you look at where we were back in the spring when we were three, you know, 85 on the, on the July and you were trading a, you know, 15 under to 20 under basis. I mean, our, our cash prices are, you know, with the strong basis we've had, you know, aren't too far off the numbers that we saw during the springtime. So, we always want to take advantage and hit, hit an increment. We don't make a decision about selling all of our crop in one day on the future side, but we see a good basis. We definitely want to take advantage of that. And then now let's switch gears and move over to livestock, where it wasn't quite as, as exciting of a day. We did see a nice little rally and move upward in hogs. But live cattle, are they kind of reacting now that these grains have some steam under them, maybe reducing some feed use and that sort of thing? Well, you know, the the... Prices were down, you know, twenty cents a day, a little weaker. I mean, we've had, you know, when you look at the at the June, you know, bats, you know, they were up toward one, almost one twenty-five. The funds got pretty long, and now they've, you know, just puked out of this thing and beat it down. We're back to about one ten. You know, that's a pretty massive move when you look at, you know, <clears throat> any commodity market when you move <clears throat> fifteen, you know, fifteen percent, you know, on on a on a market. So. You know, from our perspective, we're always like to look at hedging. I mean, we personally, some of us feed cattle, and so we like to, you know, if you're getting feeders bought, you know, what's, what's your objective when you buy those feeders in terms of hedging? I mean, today, it's impossible to, you know, predict where that thing's going to go, but, um, you got to have some plan. And the same way when we look at grain, grain marketing, is, you know, we like to sell versus what our break evens are. If we got those opportunities, try to do that. But fortunately, the basis levels, when you look at those hedges that are on today, are pretty positive relative to where we were. Before this fall off started, um, but everybody's looking for a turnaround on the market. But we had that rally from, you know, from a year ago that took us from 105 up to 125. You added 20 bucks, and now we've pretty much erased all of that move in, in just a span of two, you know, two weeks of trading, which is pretty pretty big move in any term, any any comp, any commodity. And you know, it affects both the livestock. It affects the grains. What's your current take on U.S.-China trade relations? Boy, you know, I've been talking about that. 
you know, for months now since it started, you know, you always kind of keep a level of optimism out there that they're going to get something figured out, you know, because it's important to both of our economies. But, you know, going home, you know, this last weekend seemed to be about the darkest, you know, weekend, you know, in terms of the commodity markets that you've seen in a long time. So trying to predict or project what these guys are going to do in terms of trying to get together, I mean, I think there's, you know, it's, it's important. It's huge for our commodity markets. It's important for China because they're dependent on the export markets. But China really seemed to dig their heels in. Um, obviously, the you know administration you know up those tariffs. Uh, so it was a pretty dark day in terms of agriculture because we're so dependent on it. But in terms of this point, trying to you know revive any hope right now, I think you know that's kind of beyond me right now. Again, we're talking with Doug Simon of Trade Oz. If you'd like to talk to Doug or any of the Trade Oz advisors, make sure you check out their website. That's GoTradeOz.com. GoTradeOz.com. Again, we thank Fontenelle and Fontenelle Hybrids, plus all their local seed dealers, for being sponsors of the Fontenelle Final Bell, your source to find out the latest and what's happening in the ag markets, what's moving them, what's happening, and what's going on, and how you can take advantage of it. This is the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.